I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. McLaren Goldeye surely thinks that swearing is undignified. Fortunately for us, we don't even pretend to be dignified. This has been your Obscenity Warning. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Eddie. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today we're talking about chapter 10 of Triss's book. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. (laughs) Or choice. And let's settle our debts. This chapter... Ooh, this this chapter so heavy. Ooh, this is heavy. They manage to like scrounge up dinner, and they're all exhausted. And then they go to take a bath because bathing is important. And Brian doesn't hate it, but he goes in and out of the bath very quickly, and sneaks back to discipline. And then he sneaks into Sandry's room. And goes through Amory's things. Classic thief stuff. This has two of my favorite Briar lines. Only merchants would pay for an expensive looking piece of trash. And my personal favorite, I love me. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that one down. Amory has this fancy ass looking box. That is not very well protected. Briar breaks into it pretty easily. In it, he finds poppy and cinnamon oil, which can be used for invisibility, and the bottle is half empty. And he finds a scrying mirror. There's figures moving in it, and a voice says, My dear sister, you worry too much. Things are nearly in place. He he didn't pack as much stuff as he said that he was going to need, that he was going to be He says he's going to be there for several weeks, but he only has a few days worth of clothes. And Briar's like, well, it would make sense that a poor student wouldn't bring a lot of clothes. But then why does he have this fancy ass box that obviously cost a lot of money? And the poppy and the cinnamon was just really expensive, too, that he pointed out earlier. All the stuff was very shiny. He had fancy combs, too. And he has basically the only mirror in winding circle that isn't broken fishy fishy everybody else comes back and they all go to sleep because they're exhausted and briar sneaks into triss's room and he's like hey your cousin is not everything he claims to be here is my evidence he's a bad man he's as wrong as they come as briar Mm -hmm. said and triss i think doesn't really want to believe him but she also understands Briar's logic. And so she's trying to make excuses so that she doesn't have to believe this because Amory is basically the only person from her family who was ever nice to her. At midnight, she sees Amory leaving discipline. Briar sees it too. So they go and follow him and he is going to open the gate for the pirates. Tris confronts him. Amory is like, yeah, I got into a bunch of gambling debts. The only way I can pay back this money 
is to work for the pirates. And well, his, his earring also connects him to the leader. It would kill him if he didn't do it. Yeah, it seems like he was. <laughs> he doesn't have a choice in the in the matter. He takes too long to open the gate, so the pirates just go ahead and blow it up, and then like the deal's off. Stab. Which I feel like even if he would have opened the gate on time, he still would have died anyway. Just before this happens, Amory punches Triss. And Triss is laying on the ground so the pirates don't really notice her. Briar has climbed up in a tree. And Triss gets so upset that she calls up a hailstorm. The hailstorm wakes up everybody else who has been drugged asleep, does some damage to the pirates. Then all of the fancy-ass mages come over and manage to capture the pirate. They are so lucky that they were too tired to eat the food that Gorse sent up, or everybody would be dead. I think the only other thing is kind of everybody being too scared to comfort Triss, because she is freaking the fuck out. Amory dead. Betrayed by her family once again. Even Nico was terrified. The only person who had the testicular fortitude was a 10-year-old little girl. Noble, noble Sandry. She was scared too, but she did it. More so than Nico not wanting to go near Tris, it's Sandry being afraid that really hits me. Because Sandry is not afraid of anything except the dark. No. Part one of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about the things that we liked and didn't like. What did you guys like or not like about this chapter? Have a feeling this is going to be a bit of a discussion. (laughs) Yes. I, for once, didn't have a whole list. I only marked off one thing. Oh, wow. This chapter was just so sad. I didn't want to like sad things. So I only have one this time. When Briar goes to tell Triss, Amory's not what he says he is. And she tells him, how dare you? And then stops uh, because his eyes met hers. The words dried to ash in her mouth. This was Briar. They had kept each other alive during the earthquake and they'd watched clouds get born together. She'd only just started to teach him to read, but she could tell already that he would love it as much as she did. He had kept her from falling off a wall only that morning. You can tell that the trust between Triss and Briar has grown so much. In the very first book, and still, he's always picking on them, making fun of them, and just pushing their buttons. But when he's serious and genuine, they can tell automatically, like, Briar is serious right now. He's not joking with us right now. We we need to pay attention and listen. And you can definitely see the trust between those two. Yeah, that was one of that was one of mine too. It really shows how close they've become. I think also with the fact that about them being able to tell the difference between Briar being serious and joking around. I think we constantly talk about Daja being strong and capable of making these jokes or comments while serious shit's going down. We don't talk about how Briar kind of does the same thing. He jokes around a lot of the time. At the same time, he's capable of being like, okay, we can have fun with this, but uh, let's be serious as well. Like when he first goes into her room, she throws a basin at him and tells him, uh, <laughs> I ought to dent you. And he's like, well, you tried. And, and you missed. <laughs> <laughs> and so he he still jokes with them a lot, but they can tell whenever he is actually serious about what's going on. I think that the difference with Daja and Briar's humor is Daja's humor seems more outwardly focused. When she makes jokes in times of stress, it's a way of keeping other people calm. But... I think that when Briar's making jokes in times of stress, it's a way of him keeping himself calm. I really like Briar. As Indy already mentioned, I love me is a beautiful I love me. I also like, as I've already mentioned, if I had a mother, I would want her right now. That line and 
it could be worse, it could be more boys are probably the two lines that have always stuck out for me from this series, like since I was a little kid. Also, is this the first time he calls her Copper Curls? I think so, yeah. I love that Briar calls Triss Copper Curls. So I have been waiting for this moment because it's so cute. Does that come up again? Yes. Yeah. Call her Copper Curls more than once. I also like that he is able to know that he is jealous of Amory. He knows that he can't trust him, but he also knows that he's also a little bit jealous. He's trying to be objective, and in trying to be objective, he is recognizing his own biases, which is very mature for a 10-year-old. Exactly. Exactly what I was about to say is that most 10-year-olds do not know that they're jealous. of A lot of adults don't. Or I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Introspection is difficult for anybody. Yes. My favorite part has to be the entire section where Briar is going through Amory's stuff. That entire scene is just brilliant, I think. Briar's just complete confidence in his ability to go through that box, regardless of all the magical protection and physical locks and everything, was beautiful, I think. Just super confident, proud of himself, what he knows, and how easily he got past everything. And seeing him kind of realize that his suspicions were true, that Amory's not all that he seems, there's definitely something going on, and now he has a physical, actual proof, was great to me. I just thought it was a great scene overall. And we did talk in previous chapters about how he's kind of putting this together, but he hasn't told anybody about it. So now we've gotten to see that this was probably sort of his plan is I need solid evidence. And this is, this is how he's gone about it. You know that he's actually staying with them. He's like, I get my evidence now. It's a big culmination of a lot of stuff right here. And see, it's now that he goes and says something because he has all of this evidence. It is also kind of cool that he's like, I don't want to falsely accuse people. I don't want to be like, good for him for breaking into people's stuff. But just the fact that he's going, okay, it is possible that I'm reading the situation wrong and trying to get more evidence before being like, you did it. I feel he was very discreet and thorough because if he hadn't found anything, no one would have known he'd been through that. Yeah, if it had just been a bunch of clothes, he'd have been like, well, maybe I was wrong. I really genuinely just love the interactions between Briar and Triss in this. Him being very, look, this is what it looks like. This looks really bad. And this is what I think is going on. And even when Triss is like, oh, no, 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 you're joking. You know, this is this isn't what it looks like. He's like. Are you sure? We've talked about all of the quote, only merchants would buy an expensive looking piece of trash. And I love me as well as if I had a mother. Those are all like great quotes. However, there is one line in this chapter that I absolutely love. And it's, they shed hailstones like diamonds. And it's such a beautiful descriptor. I just, oh, that is gorgeous. And then, I'm going to be honest, even mentally, Briar calling Amory a maggot just makes me happy. I mean, he's not wrong. The things that I don't like is Briar kind of hiding Amory's death from Triss. He doesn't want to tell her, but he tells the adults and that's how she finds out that he knew. Murdering people in a drugged sleep. I have a little note next to it because I wrote that down and it says dishonor on their cow. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, just the way that Triss reacts to Amory's death is just so hard. You can tell how torn she is because she's upset because this is the one person in her family that didn't treat her like shit. And it turns out that he's just a money-hungry fuckhead who's willing to work with pirates. For anybody or life or anything, as long as he gets yeah. 
that breaks my heart. The way she reacts is just, I would want to hug her. I mean, I'd be worried I would get electrocuted, but I would want to hug her. I felt so powerful, especially with the way that Tamara Pierce set it up. Earlier in the same chapter, Briar confronts Triss. She had this entire like dream in her head that Amory would become successful and hire her and help her come back to her family and make them realize that she was useful and smart and sending her away was wrong. And it hurt to see what actually happened and what he did, what he was capable of. It was painful. So let's talk about Amory. (laughs) What's there to talk about? He's a maggot. (laughs) so here's the thing Amory does a lot of really despicable things in here I think there's a part where he kind of blames Triss for I don't remember what it is I just know that I wrote down like he's blaming her for making him see how bad his actions are she's kind of confronting him about what he's doing and he's sort of like, well, if you had just done such and such, then... This if you would have just gone home, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Really, all that that would have changed is that Triss wouldn't have gotten hurt. It really shows how selfish he is. I do have to say, in his defense, because what I really like about Amory, or about the writing of Amory, is that he is very human. We see how greedy he is. We see him do these horrible things, but he does really care for Triss. We see that because he tells her it's a lie, but he tells her like, oh, your father's sick. You should go home because even when he first sees her, he's like, I don't want to hurt this person. And then also in the previous chapter, he pulls her out of the pattern magic because he doesn't want her getting killed in that. So. I get the impression that he really does genuinely care about Triss. He just doesn't care about anybody else. Selfish bastard. The other thing I wrote down is Amory thinks that if he protects Triss, that will exempt him from his other wrongs. It's like, oh, well, if I protect this person, then it's okay that I'm working with these pirates or it's okay that I'm going to help them slaughter this whole community. I like the way that she wrote him because he obviously is human, a lot more complex because it is he, we didn't see the whole him caring about Trist or whatever and you just see him as this evil guy. There's no complexity to that person. He's just one dimensional. You seeing him in all these different forms, caring, him being an asshole, him doing all these different things, it just makes him more of a person. And you can feel bad for him, but also hate him at the same time. Complex emotions for a person. And I know with personal relationships that I have, and I'm sure other people have, people can feel that way about certain people as well. They don't like them, but they feel bad the same time if that makes sense yeah i think i've probably had that with people and then the other thing i wrote down is amory does this thing where he says to tris well like if you had just done this then this wouldn't have happened and he's kind of blaming her because she's forcing him to look at himself and whether his actions are okay because until now he hasn't really had anybody standing up to him and saying this is bad and Because of that, he's been able to sort of just justify it in his head. But now he has somebody who's challenging him and it's somebody who he cares about. So he can't just justify it. I'm sure that I have done that thing in the past. And so that just really stood out to me, I guess. It's kind of like what we talked about last in the last uh, episode. Introspection is hard. Yeah. And sometimes it does take that one person that we care about to like help us realize that maybe what we're doing is a always right the way that he's like oh well if if i do this one thing right it's okay that i do all these other things wrong or these other things that hurt people like if i help this one person then nullifies my bad actions that just kind of reminds me a lot of politics (laughs) 
we see that kind of thing a lot with politicians and celebrities where it's, well, I did this bad thing, but I did this other good thing. And that's great, but it doesn't change the fact that the bad thing is also part of your life. None of us are perfect. We're all going to do shitty stuff. We may not all help pirates, but we're all going to do things that hurt people. When we do those things, we have to be able to genuinely make reparations for them and not just be like, but look at all these other good things I did. Doesn't that make it okay? No, no, it does not. So wanted to take a moment to possibly talk about Briar. The way that Briar confronts Tris is how she needs to be confronted. I don't think the, the lark approach of, oh, honey, this is would have had the same reaction. But he also still does it in a way to not hurt her feelings. Some people, it doesn't do good to be gentle with them. I would say that Briar tries not to hurt her feelings. I don't think he fully succeeds in that. Yeah. It's possible that to some degree it would be impossible to succeed in that because those feelings are wrapped up in her feelings around Amory and that betrayal. He doesn't sugarcoat it. And frankly, I think the way that he says it was very gruff on purpose, but it also shows the connection between the two that Tris starts to get mad, but then she kind of looks inside and realizes that this is someone that cares about her and that has literally saved her life before. And she is able to converse about it. She doesn't instantly just go into a rage and shut it down just because he's talking bad about her family because Briar's part of her family too now. Which shows how much she's grown over the course of these two books because that definitely would have not happened in the last book. Oh yeah, you would have had a windstorm in that house. Does anybody think that maybe Briar should have just gone straight to the adults? No. Why not? I think it goes back to, as I said in an earlier episode, he doesn't want the adults to be like, mm, well, you're wrong. For his character, it makes more sense that he goes to Triss. I think he would have gone to Rosethorn if he would have gone to anybody. If he would have gone to the adults, it would have been different. It would have been really different. But I think ultimately the correct call was to go to Triss about it because... If he had gone to an adult and told them what was going on, Tris wouldn't have reacted the way she did when she found out. And therefore, everybody would be dead. I think Briar was really trying to cover his ass. The person who knows Amory the best right there is Tris. And if Tris thinks that something's up with him, the adults would be much more convinced to, to see, like, maybe something is wrong with this dude. Another way to prove that something's going on. I fully agree because Ryder also said something about there's the fog out right now, so nothing's probably going to happen. But in the morning, we need to go tell the adults. And I think, like Goodwin said, he's trying to cover his ass and get Tris on board. Be like, okay, I have Tris on my side on this. Now we're going to go say something about it. Because if he were to go by himself and say something, then he'd just be like, oh, you're jealous. You don't know what you're talking about. But if he has Tris with him, tell him that as well. They'd be like, you know what? You are probably right. We should look into this. I think from a writing standpoint, it makes the most sense for Briar to go to Tris. I think that his character, it wouldn't have made sense for him to go to somebody else. But, and maybe this is just because I'm a teacher. I think that the better call would have been to go to the adults. Oh, yeah. I also feel like whenever they do start following him in the fog, I think that's when they should have said something to an adult, wake somebody up, be like, hey, something's happening. We need y'all to come with us. Right then when he was talking to Tris about it, I don't feel like he needed to let the adults know before he told Tris. But at that moment, whenever they were walking through the fog, following him, that's when they should have said something to an adult. I definitely think that by that time they they should have gone to an adult. And I do on some level see 
the importance of talking to Tris first because it is her cousin and he knows this information is going to be really hurtful to her. Like how Indy pointed out later in the chapter, he tries to hide Amory's death from her and that ends up being hurtful. So I think we could have ended up with the same consequence had he gone to the adults before going to Tris. Because I'm sure there's some trust broken by him doing that. Yeah. Part of me also just thinks that he should have told Rose Thorne. I understand that he probably still has this thought in his head that like, well, if I'm wrong, then they're just going to blow me off. But I don't think Rose Thorne would. I think Rose Thorne would listen to that. And Rose Thorne and Lark work with Gorse. They know him. So if he had said, I saw this person in the kitchen and then this thing happened with Amory and I'm wondering if they could be related. I think that Rose Thorne would be like, yeah, that sounds really suspicious. And they would try to find out more information. Granted, the adults might not have moved with the same swiftness or have not have moved in the same direction that Briar did. So they may not have found out as quickly, except that they would have because all of this goes down on this night. Because obviously the adults aren't going to be like, oh, well, we should break into his room and go through his stuff. It's really interesting, especially for the writing, that if any of this would have gone differently, if Briar would have told an adult instead of starting with Triss first, there would have been so much more damage done to the temple. Any delay at all, I mean, of seconds, would have caused that gate to have been, been open earlier with less of a warning. And... A lot more people would have died. We see it in the action of they blew the door open anyway. Regardless of what was going to happen, they were going to get in. And any hesitation, because the adults would have been like, oh, well, we need to basically have all of the ducks in the row in order to go through and then confront him. It wouldn't have happened that way. Everybody would have been dead. I don't think that's necessarily the case. For example, if they had known, oh, somebody's been sneaking around the kitchens, whether or not it's Amory, then they may have been more on guard about what's happening. They may have figured out that the food had been drugged. I guess we could go as far back and say Briar should have just told an adult when he first saw that person. I mean, we talked about that in that chapter as well. But like I said, maybe this is in part because I'm a teacher, but I'm just like, He should have brought this up to an adult. And also there's this whole question of are they kids or are they mages? And on some level, they are just kids. And this is a huge thing for kids to be dealing with. And so they should be bringing it to somebody else who has more power in both like political and social and magical circles. I feel like I have to agree with Goodwin. Because even if he would have, at the very beginning, told them about seeing somebody in the kitchens, okay, Amory would have got arrested. But then they would have been able to follow Amory to the gate and call Sandry and Daja and let them know, hey, something's going on. And let them, they let the adults know that something was going down. They wouldn't have known anything that was going on. And the pirates would have came in anyway. A lot more people would have died. A lot more. They probably would have been able to stop them considering that they didn't eat horses' food. I have to disagree because I think that if he had alerted an adult earlier and they had found out earlier in the story that it was Amory, or even if they hadn't figured out that it was Amory, they could have figured out that the food has been drugged or something is going on and they may have had more people on alert or some other way to deal with this because everyone's asleep at the gate. But if they had determined that the food had been drugged before that, then those people wouldn't have been asleep. So I think that that it could have potentially worked out better. They would have just found somebody else that had a debt. It's interesting to think about these hypotheticals. Like I think in, in real life, definitely letting someone know would, would have been the right call. Oh yeah. It's just Briar being who he is and this being a book about magic and the fact that some of the people in the temple don't trust him. I can see why it took him so long to want to try to get the word yeah. out. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Part two is reading like a dedicate. This is where we pull out a message or a theme. My theme is probably related to Indies, but Indy should go first because she's very excited. Blood of the Covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> okay, and I, I have plenty of points to back this up. Let me turn my page. So the way that Briar handles everything with Amory he goes to her for like in an attempt to not hurt her feelings, but also to be like, Hey, you're the person who knows him the best here. And then her reaction of immediate, Oh no, that's not true. He's lying. And then her slowly being like, okay, well he's a lot of things, but he is not a liar. He is a part of my family as well. And we also see kind of how Triss and Amory are, especially in his last moments. He channels a lot of, well, this is your fault, talking to Triss. And then, of course, the entirety of Triss's family being like that. Another big thing is when Sandry comes up and comforts Triss at the risk of her own safety, regardless of her being scared. She's like... Tris is scared too. I'm going to go comfort her. A lot of that for me in this chapter is 
the found family, Daja, Tris, Briar, and Sandry are all like that, where they trust each other more than they trust anybody, and they are a family, blood or not. I got to use it. I got to say it. Yeah. Pin drop. That was mine, too. Family. Uh-huh. Definitely the yeah. yeah. For me, it's found family and I guess maybe extending that even to love because to me, this is the chapter where Tris really has her turn and she's been sort of coming over to this is my family. This is my home. But up until now, she still had this dream of going back to her family and proving them wrong. And this is the point where she sort of makes that decision and severs herself from her blood relatives and determines, no, this is my family. She kind of has to pick between Briar and Amory at the beginning. And she picks Briar because they went through an earthquake together and she's teaching him how to read. And he loves it as much as she does, which is one of my favorite lines. But then, in a sense, she also picks Amory, and it's not because he's blood, even though they are blood relatives. He is still part of her family, not because of blood, but because the way he has treated her. And even though she is angry at him for siding with the pirates, at the end, she takes his earring because that relationship is so meaningful for her. And so I just like that for Tris, in a sense, her found family is kind of a combination of people who are blood relatives and people who aren't. And then we also have sort of Amory versus Tris, because for him, she is his family because of blood. And he doesn't care about anybody else because they're not related to him. But for Tris it's she has a much stronger understanding of that which I don't know I guess in a way makes Amory kind of a sad or pathetic character because it gives me a sense that he never formed those kind of deep bonds with anyone which is I think above all the tragedy of his character oh yeah definitely my theme is different from all y'all's. We're pulling an indie. Mine is trust your instincts. Obviously, we already talked about how Briar made the wrong choice. He should have trusted his instincts from the very beginning and told somebody. And then in this chapter, his instincts were right and Amory was not who he said he was. And so if he would have just trusted his instincts to begin with, then things could have possibly gone better. Maybe not. We don't know. But there's the possibility that it could have. So just your instincts. Of course, there's also the possibility it could have gone worse. So Exactly. So <laughs> either way. <laughs> <laughs> Part three is reading like a mage. This is where we use the chapter to craft magic in our own lives. And we've started talking about this, so who wants to go first? Trust your fucking instincts. Yeah, they're usually right. I mean, there, yeah. there's a reason why they're instincts. It's been ingrained in you for literally millennia. If there's a dark alley and you feel like someone's watching you or something, maybe don't go down that alley. Trust yourself. There is a reason why humans evolved with that ability. Ultimately, you know your judge of character. And so, like, using examples, Briar doesn't necessarily notice the good in people. First off, that he notices the shady shit. That is played negatively, but at the same time is he also sees this look shady. It looks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck. It's one fucked up zebra. Not really right from the beginning, but I think somewhere along there, Tris kind of starts to suspect that Amory is not all he says to be as well. Because when Briar confronts her, she's kind of making excuses for him. And the way the text is written, 
I feel like she's sort of aware of it and she's just kind of fighting this. No, I really don't want to be betrayed by one more person. My magic is Sandry because she is scared of Triss because Triss is covered in all of this lightning. But even though she's afraid, she recognizes that Triss is hurting and she is in a lot of pain at this moment. And so despite the fact that she is afraid she goes to comfort her, the lesson I draw from that is that sometimes when people hurt us or threaten us, they are the people who need comfort the most. It can definitely be hard to figure out what that line is. I think for Sandry, it's clear because she knows Tris so well. So I guess that might be where I set that is when there is somebody who you already care about, who you've already developed a good relationship with, and they are hurtful to you, then there is a likelihood that it is because they're hurting and they're lashing out. Don't want to be like, oh, well, it's okay for people to be hurtful. But Tris, we see the lightning doesn't hurt Sandry, but she is scary and she is threatening in this moment. I guess it's important to remember that we see that kind of thing in real life. I think for me, where I see it most is it's with my students because students who are mean and act out are often the ones who are hurting the most. So so it's very contextual. My magic is Briar when he says, I love me. Yes. You can be proud of your accomplishments. <laughs> exactly. And I need, need to work on that myself. I don't love myself a lot or as much as I need to. A lot of times I tell myself, you're annoying. People just tolerate you and people don't like you. You're not lovable. No one likes you. So I have to tell myself that's not true. I know. I kind of want like that on a t-shirt or like a thing that I can hang on my mirror or something. Somewhere where I see it all the time. I love me. It needs to be my my mantra or whatever. My daily affirmation. Yes. (laughs) I wake up and tell myself that. I love me. I think it doesn't help that in a sense we live in a society where we're kind of encouraged to not be proud of our accomplishments. If you're like, oh, I did this thing and it's great. You're bragging and you're not being humble and. Oh, you think you're better than me? Yeah. You're, you're not supposed to tell people about the things you've done. Well, I think that's, a bad teaching. I think it's a bad thing that we've learned. I remember when I was in college, I went to like an honors society meeting or something. And the staff member who was leading it said, okay, I want to take a moment for everybody to talk about something awesome that they have done. I want to take a moment for everybody to get the chance to brag about themselves because I don't think we do that enough. And you should be allowed to take pride in the things you do. Like Indy makes awesome tea. And and she said, I'm really proud of this tea. And she should be. I am actually going through right now and making inventory. I really like that lesson and I need to remember it too. That is a very good lesson. I feel like there's this confusion in our society between having pride in something and hubris. I think it's okay to be proud of something that you've done. Obviously not go in the totally other extreme of just you know, having this hubris. You know, I'm better than you because I've accomplished so much. Like, there's got to be a balance there, but it, you should be able to be proud of stuff you've done. I think. I think I actually have a good example of that from my own life. I was at a gathering with friends and I am like still ashamed of this, even though I have no idea how it affected the other person. But I said something about writing poetry and this guy was like, oh, I write poetry. And then I just had this like very poetry snob voice in my head. I didn't say anything, but I just had this like, oh, well, (laughs) sure. You think you write poetry. I don't get that thought a lot. I think I've been in a lot of situations where I'm actively telling people, oh, 
you just think you don't write poetry, but you're in the closet. And so it's kind of weird to think that I had this thought and I'm still ashamed of it. And I have no idea if he caught on at all or not. And I really wish that I could run into that person again and be like, hey, you said that you write poetry. We should exchange poetry. I want to read your poetry. I think that's really the difference because that's the other negative side that you don't want to be. It would be like if I told Indy, oh, I want to make tea. And she was like, well, you'll never be good at it. You will never make tea as good as I do. Versus I made this tea and I'm really proud of it. What makes you love yourself? Yes. Write to us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com or contact us on Facebook or Tumblr or Instagram. Well, it sounds like it's time for an excerpt. It is time for an excerpt. Lark, Frostpine, Briar, and Rosethorn returned as the girls were starting a late midday. Everyone was glad to sit and eat. The adults passed on the in- the adults passed on the information that the north gate was closed and being rebuilt, while the spell nets now hid winding circle in the north, as well as the east and west. There would be no more attacks from that direction, or so everyone had to hope. No one mentioned what would happen if the pirates were able to blast the buried spell nets to pieces with boomstones. Nico arrived as they were finishing. To everyone's surprise and delight, Dedicate Gorse was with him. The stocky kitchen dedicate had brought a batch of fried sweet cakes for them to try out and fresh ground meat and egg yolk for the nestling. He watched as Tris prepared the balls of meat and egg paste and even tried his hand at stuffing two into the starling's maw. If we're ready, Nico asked when the bird had settled to sleep again. Horse looked up at him and nodded. Children, I want each of you to stand behind your teacher, Nico said. We're going to conduct some experiments. He placed a leather bag the size of a cabbage on the table. What kind of experiments? asked Rosethorn suspiciously. Nico very carefully poured a spoonful of grainy black dust out of the bag. We got this from the prisoners, he explained. It's what they use to shatter the gate, and it's what they use in the boomstones. They just call it black powder. Its ingredients and the proportions are the pirate mage Enahar's secret. That's what we have to find out. Surely Moonstream and Skyfire, Lark began. They want all the masters to try it, Nico said. That way, everyone will have a working knowledge of the stuff. Now, dedicate, if we may begin. All five adults reached a hand out over the tiny pile, over the tiny pile, palms toward it, eyes closed. When they took deep breaths, clearing their minds, the four did the same. Charcoal, Rose Thorn and Frostpine announced at the same time. Nico added, sulfur. Niter, Horst told them, and Rose Thorn nodded. I couldn't have done it so fast, Daja remarked silently to the other children. They nodded, agreeing. The adults argued for half an hour over the proportions of each substance. At last, they managed to agree. Ten parts sulfur, 15 parts charcoal, and 75 parts niter. It's so basic, Lark said then. So, so simple. And it won't take much to make it explode once you get through the protections on the containers. I think Goodwin was already onto this. But what I like about this is if you are not somebody who's really into firearms or you're, you know, 11 years old, then there's a good chance when you read it, you're just like, oh, what is this weird magical weapon they have? And then you get into chapter 11 and you're like, oh, gunpowder. And I just think Mm -hmm. that's brilliant writing. Yes. It's, again, one of those cool things that Tamara Pierce does, like mixing <laughs> magic with technology that is in our world. Yeah. Super neat. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta feel yourself. Exactly! Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like listening, tell your friends about us. If you don't like listening, tell your enemies. Please tell us what you think of the Circle of Magic by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com or join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. You can find more of Reading Circle Temple at readingcircletemple.com or find Reading Circle Temple on Tumblr. 
And thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their artwork on Tumblr at Yellow is for Happy Draws or on Instagram at Shannon and Draws. Also, thanks to Brittany's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic. And thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.